I believe that we've got this serious, serious problem. And that's that our teenage friends and our teenage kids are paralyzed in this culture and in 2019 by fear and by guilt and by shame. And very few people are helping them to understand how to deal with that. And so I, I you know, this seminar is hopefully going to be a helpful thing for you to be able to figure out, all right, how do we step into our teenage friend's world and come alongside them? Welcome to the Blackhawk Youth Leader Podcast. Uh, back in 2019 at the Youth Leader Conference, we worked with our local Young Life friends to bring in Drew Hill. And what you're about to hear is a short clip from his breakout session focused on living life and doing ministry alongside teenagers. for over 20 years and has so much wisdom when it comes to doing relational ministry. And that's what we're all about here at Blackhawk. We are convinced that we actually don't deserve to be listened to when it comes to topics of faith or the Bible unless we put in the time and energy to actually know our students and develop a relationship with them. To use a phrase I first used when I was a Young Life leader, uh, they use this phrase all the time in Young Life. We have to earn the right to be heard. In other words, if we don't first build trust through an authentic interest in the lives of our students and like an intentional care and compassion for them, then we haven't earned the right to talk about Jesus in a meaningful way. Our primary responsibility is to live life alongside teenagers in order to build relationships of trust. And that word, alongside, is the title of Drew's book, which is the basis for the talk you're about to hear. And you're only gonna hear a section of his breakout, but as always, you can head to our volunteer SharePoint site to find the entire 75 minute talk, and I definitely encourage you to check it out. And even that 75 minute breakout isn't even close to enough time to capture all the thoughts and ideas in his book. So if you wanna read it, just post a message in the MSM or HSM group me and one of us can hook you up with a copy or you can buy it. Uh, Drew's publisher isn't sponsoring this podcast, so literally do whatever you want. All right, without further ado, here's part of Drew's YLC 2019 breakout based on his relational ministry focused book, Alongside. Enjoy. ministry is simply doing whatever it takes to bring kids face to face with Jesus. It's doing whatever it takes to bring kids face to face with Jesus. And more often than not, that means the uncomfortable, very awkward showing up on their turf and in their world. And the goal of youth ministry is to lead kids into transformation through Jesus. I'd say the best thing you can do if you want to bring kids face to face with Jesus is just that, like, just look at him, just look at him. It's just like the moon looking at the sun. 
like when you when you just fix your eyes on Christ, you're going to reflect him to other people. And it won't be as hard as it sounds and it seems. The best thing you can do for kids is to fall more in love with Jesus. You know, we could spend the rest of the day kind of talking about the things that Jesus did and how we can model our ministry off of those things. But I've just picked 10 of them that I think are pretty important things that he did that I want to walk through us with. And if you want more, then you got to buy the book. Um, it is a, it, you know, it is really fun to look at the life of Christ and kind of ask this question, what, what does Jesus do and, and what is he inviting us into? But the first thing that I want to mention that Jesus did was that he prayed, that he spent time with his daddy, that he spent time with his father. You know, um, you can't give people a, a tour of a place that you haven't been. You know, what would it look like for you to spend more time on your knees than doing what would it look like for you to begin your day not with thinking, all right, how can I be strategic? What can I get done today? How can I like make this event better for kids? How can I text every kid? How can I do all these different things? But begin it with Holy Spirit. I want to be interrupted by you today. I want to be filled by you today. I want to be led by you today. So silence the voices of the world that are telling me I need to do more. They're telling me I need to get better at this and Lead me, Holy Spirit. What would it look like for you when you're in the line at the grocery store and you got a 15-year-old kid bagging the groceries for you to pray, Holy Spirit, how, how can I love this kid? How can I pay attention to them? How can I be interested in them? And then the Holy Spirit prompts you with a question to ask them or a way to compliment them, a way to notice them. And you speak to them and then you're walking out and you write down, John, Tuesday night, eight o'clock. Set an alarm next Tuesday at 7. Hey, I'm going to go up to the grocery store. I don't really need anything, but I'm going to go get something. See if John's working again. And you build that relationship over time with kids, and you get to know them. Because odds are that John does not have any other adult friends, that he has nobody really pursuing him or her, whoever's bagging your groceries or taking your order at the restaurant. But when we begin our days on our knees, when we come back to the Lord all throughout the day, praying continuously, the Holy Spirit will lead us in those moments. And it's powerful. So our ministry to kids is prayer. It's not just preparation for ministry, but it is ministry. And that God works through that. And Jesus modeled that for us. If Jesus spent time with his father, if he needed to pray, how much more should we invite him to change our perspective and to change our plans? Number two, way that we come alongside kids practically is we learn their names. You know, Jesus knew people's names. He called people by name. He gave them nicknames. I mean, he gave them the nickname The Rock and the Sons of Thunder. He was trying to build a WWE team. You know, like he, he was like giving people nicknames left and right. And you feel really loved when you, when you get given a nickname by somebody. This gal in our youth group texted me, today and uh, I, she was at the school retreat where I'd spoken and she said hey thanks for speaking at her thing and she's like she signed it Slater and her name's Anna Cox and her initials are AC and so I just call her Slater because AC Slater Saved by the Bell and uh, I mean I don't think she's even ever seen Saved by the Bell or even knows who Slater is but I call her Slater. Kids love to be given you know names that are familial you know and make you feel like they know you and you know them and learn their names, say their names, use their names. I mean, it makes you feel cared for even here when somebody that was in your group remembers your name. 
You know, it, how much more do kids feel valued and loved? You know, kids are, they're looking for someone to tell them that they're worth something, that they, that they matter and that they belong. A lot of times a kid will, you know, not text you back or not want to go do something with you when you want to do something with them. But if you invite them to do something with a group of people and you get other people involved, then they're more likely to do it because they long to belong to something that's bigger than them. So use that desire that they have to belong. Use the desire they have to, to matter. Use the desire they have to have an identity, to speak identity over them by the names that you call them. Number three, understand their culture. Understand their world. You know, they are asking those questions. They're asking the question, who am I? They're asking the question, do I belong? They're asking the question, do I matter? Understand where they are in their adolescent development and speak into those places where they're asking. I just read this great book called Brainstorm. Has anybody read it? It's not a Christian book, but it's a really great book about adolescent brain development. And Marco, who's getting ready to speak, he's written some great stuff about that as well. But it's helpful to understand where kids are in that development because we need to treat kids differently based on where their brain has developed. And you'll see kids do stupid stuff and you're like, why did they do that? But a lot of times like their brain just hasn't developed in this place. So understand where they are developmentally, but also understand their culture. One of the best things I could recommend to you to understand kids' culture is a thing called the culture translator. Who subscribes to it? Okay, like five of you. The rest of you, write it down. Go to axis.org, A-X-I-S.org, and subscribe to the culture translator. It's free. It's really great. They'll send you an email every week and they'll say, hey, these four things happen in culture this week. And that'll just kind of help you keep tabs on what's going on in, in our culture and in, mainly in teenage life. Number three, understand their culture. Number four, Jesus pursued people who were different than him. He pursued people who were different than him. You know, it is easy for us to just hang out with people who look like us. It's why our churches are often the same color skin. It's why our world is so segregated racially, but it's not just a racial divide. You know, people who play different sports, people who are into different things are harder for us to hang out with. When you don't share an affinity with someone on something, it's more difficult to hang out with them. But what would it look like for us to cross that line of affinity? You know, it would look like family. Think about your family that you grew up in. My guess is if you had brothers and sisters, you were pretty different than them that they like things different than you, that they were wired differently than you. We need people who are different than us. And yet, so often we just ignore them. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've walked into a high school cafeteria with my nervousness and my fear. And I've walked past so many kids that don't look like me in order to get to the kids that make me feel safe and comfortable that are sitting over there. But yet Jesus invites us to pursue people who are different than us. He invites it by the way that he lived. Think about who Jesus hung out with. And yet it's difficult. It forces us to trust him. But what does it show the world? It shows them hope and unity and people long to be a part of that. So pursue kids that are different than you. Notice them, pay attention to them because people like that are people that Jesus cares about and he's inviting us to engage with. Number five, Jesus was truly interested in people. Are you interested in people? Or are you just trying to get them to come to your thing? Do you love with strings attached? When you walk into a room, are you a here I am, look at me person? Or are you a there you are kind of person? We naturally are so self-focused, but Jesus was not. Jesus was truly interested in other people. He was an active listener. 
I mean, think about the bleeding woman. You know, he's on the way to heal Jairus' daughter and he gets stopped in his tracks by this woman who's touched him. Who, who touched me? And my power's gone out of me. And then he stops and it says that she told him her whole story. I mean, I don't know how long that took. I mean, I know a lot of my friends that can talk for a long time about their stories. I've got some drama queen girls in our youth group who can talk for a long time. Well, I went to this doctor and I went to this doctor and they couldn't help me. And I, you know, I imagine it wasn't a quick like, all right, I got 10 minutes, but then I got my next appointment, sweetie. You know, like Jesus was truly interested in people, but I'm often truly interested in how much I can accomplish. Check off my to-do list, how quickly I can get my email taken care of, how I can get to the next appointment. Are we using people or are we paying attention to people? Jesus actively listened to people, but that's something that's not natural for us. So we've got to ask the Holy Spirit to help us and we've got to practice it. One of my favorite things to say to kids when, when they're talking to me is just this simple, tell me more. You're talking to a kid and they tell you, yeah, da, 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 da. well, tell me more about that. You show empathy and affirmation. I'd love to hear more about that. Man, that's awesome. Well, how did that make you feel when that happened? Well, what happened after that? Well, did that bother you? Did you expect that? You know, that's a great question. What do you think? You know, Jesus often responded to people's questions with questions. A kid will come to you, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think? You know, our knee jerk is to lecture and to give our opinion. But often kids are coming to us asking a question, just longing to be heard. And Jesus listened to people and they were drawn by that. He asked them questions. Number six, cast vision over people. Cast vision over people. I love this imagery of holding a crown over someone's head and saying, you are a prince and a princess in the kingdom of God and letting them grow into it. One of the chapters in the book is is called Holding Crowns. And it talks about what are some practical ways that we can cast vision over kids. You know, one of the reasons that I'm here today is because when I was in middle school, my youth pastor said, hey, Drew, I need you to lead a Bible study of these sixth grade guys. I was going into my ninth grade year and I got to walk with these guys for the next three years. I didn't know what I was doing, but he gave me the chance. You know, one of the reasons I lead worship now is because when I was in high school, there was nobody to lead worship at our FCA meetings and my FCA sponsor, he said, hey, why don't you, why don't you learn to play guitar and play? And I was like, I can't play guitar. He's like, I bet you could. You're pretty musical. And, and so I was like, I, I don't know what you mean by musical because I can't play any instrument, you know? And uh, he's like, well, you know, and so I went and talked to my parents and my parents and him like convinced me to buy this guitar. And literally like four weeks later, I'm leading worship and I'm, I'm, it's, I'm, it sounds so awful. You know I mean? I only know like three chords and down strumming and, you know, Lord, I lift your name on high over and over again, you know? And yet because of that, 25 years ago, now, like, I'm at a place where I got to lead worship on my church on Sunday. And God has, like, fostered that gift because somebody saw that in me, called it out, and believed me. What would it look like for you to speak vision over kids' lives? And when you see them, to think of how can I communicate to them that I love them? How can I communicate to them that I see something in them? How can I speak life over them? Um, the next one, number seven, is adventure. Adventure. You know, what did Jesus do? He gave his friends experiences and then he taught them based on it. You know, I mean, can you just imagine Jesus waking up one morning and be like, today's going to be fun. <laughs> hey, fellas, you want to get in the boat? <laughs> Come on, I'm going to go take a little nap. Y'all have fun. You know, like he knew what was coming. 
You know, he built these experiences. He's like, you, you want to learn to trust me? You're having a hard time trusting me. I'm going to give you a chance right here, you know? And I'm going to give you even a chance to walk on water. He gave them these amazing experiences, and then he taught them. I mean, when you take kids out of their comfort zone and you give them these experiences, it multiplies and deepens your relationship with them in ways that you can never do. I mean, you can meet with kids in a small group every Sunday night for an entire year, or you could go on a two-night overnight camping trip with them and become closer to them in those 48 hours. We've got to lead kids. They are longing to be led, but let's lead them into places of adventure where they have to trust. They learn to trust God a lot of times by learning to trust us. But we've got to prove ourselves trustworthy by showing up, by loving them with no strings attached, and by loving them extravagantly, planning these trips for them that they would never get to go on. You know, one of the things we do in our youth group to kind of scratch this adventure itch is we have a competition that's ongoing. So every Sunday night, there are two teams. The, this year, it's the dragons and the unicorns. Last year, it was red hot and ice cold. And we give these, you, the, the winning team all gets these amazing t-shirts, you know, that you, it's kind of like the prize t-shirt. When I went to UNC Chapel Hill, if you won an intramural sport, then you got like an intramural champion shirt and you wore it around campus. You were like, dude, I'm the man because I beat this guy in foosball. You know, like you, you thought you're awesome. The kids are built. We as people are built with this desire to win. So how can we create Young Life Clubs and campaigner groups and youth groups where it kind of scratches that itch and gives them a chance to compete in a healthy way and helps them learn to be related to other people and be on teams and, and feel like they're a part of something and belong. Number eight, Jesus let people fail. Jesus let people fail. I mean, when you think about some of his closest friends, they betrayed him. They turned their back on him. They denied him. They didn't trust him. They fell asleep on him. Jesus let people fail. He loved them so much that he was willing to not control them. And a lot of times that's what it's gonna take with you. Kids are gonna feel manipulated by you if you treat them differently when they fail. I tell parents a lot of times the most important moment of your entire life when it comes to parenting is gonna be the single moment when your kid screws up big time and you find out about it. In that moment, how you react in that one single second and one single minute is gonna determine what that kid feels about their relationship with you for a long time. How we respond to kids in those moments of failure is gonna be what they remember for a long time. I, um, three months ago, four months ago, got a call from a friend and he said, hey man, I need to meet. And I said, what do you wanna talk about? And he said, I'll tell you when we meet up. And this is a high school kid. And I was like, man, something's wrong here because this, this doesn't happen with this guy. But I'd been meeting with this guy, like having really good heart-to-heart conversations for a while. And him and his girlfriend are both close friends of mine. And I, um, I met him. He wanted to meet at McDonald's. And I'm sitting across the table from him. And um, I said, all right, what's up, man? He takes out his phone and turns it over and slides it across the table. And I pick it up, and it's a picture of a sonogram. And he said, I got my girlfriend pregnant. And um, everything, all the self-righteous Drew Hill in me, I wanted to just be like heaping shame on him. Like, you idiot. What were you thinking? Like, we've talked about this. You lied straight to my face multiple times. I've asked you if you're sleeping with her. But thank God for the Holy Spirit, because um, I, I didn't want to 
I mean, that's what I wanted to say, but what came out was like, I felt like the Holy Spirit just kind of lifted me up from my side of the booth around to his. And I just held him. And I just cried with him. And I just said, it's gonna be okay, man. You're gonna be a great dad. And God's gonna use this for his good. And God is gonna use, he's gonna make something beautiful of this broken thing that seems so overwhelming and so scary right now. And you're not gonna be alone. I'm in this with you. And that was not me. Like that was the Holy Spirit. How we respond to kids in those moments of failure will determine the future of our relationship with them. Number nine, be vulnerable with people. I'm sorry you've come to a session where your speaker cries the whole time, but (laughs) I blame it on my parents. Um, They are both wired a lot like me. But Jesus, he wept. Somebody mentioned that earlier with people. He was naked when he went to the cross. He shared his heart with people. He listened. He shared everything with them. What does it look like for you to share your life with kids? The apostle Paul writes in Thessalonians, he says, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very lives as well, because you've become so dear to us. What does sharing your life look like? A lot of times it looks like being vulnerable and saying, man, I don't have it all together either. I mean, we, we have so much pressure on us in our culture, in our society, to look good, to have it all together. I mean, even on the way here, I'm flying here with honey and we're in the airplane and it got delayed for so long and I'm just trying to figure out what to do and our batteries are dying on our devices and I'm trying to get sympathy. So I'm posting on Instagram stories, hoping people will feel sorry for me. But I like take this picture of honey and I and I like look at the picture. And I'm like, dude, I'm so freaking fat, man. Like I got a double, I got a double chin. I'm like, hang on, honey, let's do one more. And I'm like, you know, and then I spend like, you know, 90 seconds trying to figure out what's the best caption to put on this picture. You know, and, and it is like, why are we like that? You know, why are we people that are so just influenced by what other people think of us? But we are that way. And it's, I don't want to be that way. But really our way towards healing is for us to put our failures on display. And like, that's what we've got to do if we want kids to trust us is they've got to be able to see our failures. And sometimes that's going to get tricky and messy. And how much do we share Seek older people out for wisdom on that. Like, do I share that I'm really struggling with this? Because I'm supposed to be leading them. I mean, I struggle with that with my congregation. How much do I tell them of the things that I'm really struggling with? Because I want them to want to follow me, you know? But if they know everything about me, they're going to want to fire me, not follow me, you know? And, and yet, I feel like the Lord really calls us to bear our souls and to be honest. And we're just blind beckers telling other people where to find food. You know, we don't have it all together. And we've got to admit that to kids. And when, they, when we do, they'll trust us more. Last one, number 10. Jesus came to build a missional community. He is, um, he's amazing, Jesus is. And he came to give his life away and to build the body of Christ and to build a new kingdom on this earth. And his strategy for doing that was through a missional community. If you wanna build a missional community, which is what you want to do because that is really the heartbeat of what youth ministry has got to look like. Then you wanna be talking with kids and those you are leading, whether it's your youth team, if you're a Young Life staff or a youth staff person, you wanna be talking with them about three things. Number one, are they falling more in love with God? Are they hungering more for God? Walk through John 15 with them. Keep talking about abiding in Christ. Number two, are they falling more in love with one another? 
walk through John 13 with them? Are they falling more in love with one another and talk about community and what it looks like to live life together? And number three, are they falling more in love with the lost? Luke 15, give them a heart for the lost. When you're doing those things, you're not just building a youth group. You're not just building a young life club. You're not just building a campaigners group. You're not just building a group of people to follow you. You're building a missional community, people who are loving God first, loving one another, and loving the lost. And people are gonna be drawn to something like that. gift to listen to Drew share from his heart and from his experience at youth ministry. There is so much potential in our students and we have the opportunity not just to invite them into our ministry, but into the 2,000 year movement of Christianity that has been advancing the love and grace and joy and hope found in following Jesus. And we get to do this all alongside students. What a gift. Just a reminder to check out Drew's entire talk in the leader resources section on SharePoint. Or if you want to read the book, drop a message in your ministry group me to borrow a copy from one of us who have it. Or just go ahead and buy your own copy. It's one of the best youth ministry books available. Well, that's all for now. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Blackhawk Youth Leader Podcast. Mm-hmm.